This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's News, Today's Talk. 640 Toronto. Voting results are in for advanced voting in last Monday's mayoral by-election versus uh, basically advanced polls versus election night. And there's a great story from Ben Spur, David Ryder in the Toronto Star about the big push from the Bailao campaign to get that John Tory endorsement, to get John Tory to make a video. And he did that. Um, and it was kind of documented last week how they kind of snuck him in and snuck him out. And he came and recorded a video and he recorded some robocalls that it felt like everybody living in Toronto proper got on that day. I think he endorsed on Wednesday of last week. It might have been Tuesday of, uh, sorry, of the week before. So I think you had five days, maybe six days to get set to vote. And did that did that galvanize Anna Bylaw's campaign? I'm going to tell you that I think it did, because the numbers that we now have are utterly fascinating. Anna Bylaw lost to Olivia Chow by about thirty three thousand votes, about two hundred sixty nine thousand and change to two hundred thirty five thousand and change in the advanced polls. Olivia just crushed it. I don't know who, I don't even know that Anna was second. Let's just assume that she was. Olivia Chow had 60,400 advanced votes among the 25 wards in Toronto. Anna Bilo had just under 20,000. Basically three to one. Basically three to one between those two candidates. And then again, you, you again, you forget over a week, you're like Saunders, Matlow, Mitzi Hunter, Brad Bradford, Anthony Fury, like all of these names were in the mix, obviously, to finish in the top in the top seven, let's say. And Chloe Brown as well, who finished actually ended up finishing ahead of Brad Bradford, who we're going to mention more of in just a second. But when you look at the election day, Anna Baila won the election on election day. No one disputes the result because I just said it. Olivia Chow crushed in the advance voting. Like, I'll give you an example. Advanced voting in Ward 13 was 4,753 votes for Olivia Chow and just six or 763 for Anna Bilo. That's Ward 14. So that's Toronto Danforth. You can imagine that's how that's going to go there. Paula Fletcher's the counselor there, where Chris Moyes is the counselor in Toronto Center. All Olivia. Just a just a devastating, uh, devastating set of numbers that she picked up at that point in time. So it's really, really fascinating to look at. But people are going to clearly debate if John Tory gives Anna Bilo the endorsement earlier and Anna becomes the any the, basically the I can stop Chow candidate. She grabbed that away. If Mark Saunders ever had it, and I'm not sure he did. He finished at six percent. I'm not sure he ever had it. And it certainly wrestled it away with five, six days left. And some of the election day numbers are stark in terms of a huge win for Anna Bila. Ward eight, for example, 14,900. Olivia had basically, Chow had basically 6,400. So more than doubled. What I say? Ward eight, that's Eglinton Lawrence. That's a good win for Anna Bilau in that in that particular ward. Huge result in Ward 15. 12,500 for uh, Bailao, basically 6,700 for Olivia Chow. I mentioned Ward 15. That's Don Valley West. That's where Mark Saunders ran for to be uh, to be an MPP. Bottom line, it was uh, it, it was all Anna Bailao on election night. 
the question will always remain. And we did ask this Tuesday morning, and I think we even previewed it Monday saying, if John Tory makes his endorsement earlier, does the election swing? It would have taken a lot. It, it would have taken every sort of break you could potentially get. But what's funny here is, is the pressure from the bailout campaign battering John Tory and uh, battering him for an endorsement, begging for that endorsement, prodding, pleading, doing everything you could do to get John Tory to endorse. And I remember being told the Monday before. So now we're this is 14 days ago. Two people I trusted, like, uh, honestly, to have the information said he's not going to do it. And maybe on that Monday, he wasn't going to do it. But somehow, some way, and I read this from David Ryder and Ben Spur today, um, Tory was facing increasing pressure from senior members of her team to break his pledge to stay neutral in the race and publicly declare that he was backing her. So there was heavy, heavy pressure. Now, Brad Bradford got incensed at Tory's endorsement. I'll read you from the story. Tory, and I highly re uh, recommend you go to the star and read it yourself. Tory had encouraged both Bylaw and Bradford to run. And according to the Bradford campaign, the former mayor acted as the counselor's sounding board right up until hours before the endorsement when the pair chatted First Nations sunrise ceremony outside City Hall. Tory gave Brad no hint he was about to endorse Bylaw, said Matt Harashi, Bradford's campaign manager. Brad had hoped John would at least give him the courtesy of a heads up. Now, if that's true, no reason to suspect otherwise. That's real. Um, that's a double cross from from the former mayor. I don't know how else anybody would view it that way. News of the endorsement breaks. Bradford tweets yesterday's politicians aren't the answer to today's problems. Whoa. Shots fired. They had a heated phone exchange that day. A Tory text to Bradford. And again, how do we know this? His campaign managers reading it to the star for their story. Your tweet about old has-beens and such was unnecessary and inconsistent with what we discussed about you as a classy, intelligent person. But the concept here is the Tory endorsement helped Anna Bailao a lot. And had it come much earlier, maybe the election results different. Um, this is fascinating stuff. This is popcorn types. Get your popcorn type stuff. Shiba Siddiqui, what do you, give me your takeaway from everything I just laid out there. Because uh, we talked so much about it on Tuesday morning outside Nathan Phillips Square. What do you think of all this? So I understand Brad Bradford's frustration in this. I mean, especially if he was encouraged by John Tory to run for mayor. And then here's what Bradford was upset about. He had seen him recently, I believe, at a sunrise ceremony. Yep, that and morning. John, yes, and John Tory did not even give him a heads up. So I think that's what he wanted. He wanted some kind of an inkling that it was coming so that he wasn't, you know, as surprised as the rest of us were when John Tory came forward to endorse her. Uh, there's a there's a part of this article that I absolutely love. It's... um. All of her staffers are in Annabella's office, right? And they're all her workers, her volunteers. They were quietly ushered out the door. Quiet fell on an office that had been a buzz. And as the troops huddled in a cafe downstairs, a campaign office door opened and in strode the man they had long awaited. John Tory, the fallen king, who they hoped would play kingmaker. So here's what I think. If he wasn't mm. going to do it, it seemed like he was on the fence. He wasn't sure if he was going to endorse her, if he was going to come forward publicly. He says that he wants to, he wanted to focus on his home life and quote unquote, according to this article, his estranged wife. So that to me tells me how the marriage is so going. So Barb's in the mix here. Yes. Somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think she is if she's estranged. No, no, no. Like yeah. I know. I meant in the story. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. yes. She is. Yeah. She is. Uh, but I think it wasn't enough time. 
It was, it just yeah. wasn't enough time. He should have done it weeks ago, weeks earlier, because that election night, Anna Bailao had more votes. Olivia Chow yeah. won because of the advanced voting. That's what it was. So it seems that it was obvious that people's people were swayed by John Tory's endorsement. It just wasn't early enough. Why do you think he waited? I, I as have long no as he idea. Did? And why did he sort of buckle? But then again, it's the Bailao people who've helped run Tory campaigns before who basically like they're calling him a ditherer. They're basically yeah. saying, here's a guy yes. that won't decide on something like like I've heard that described about Tory that, it you know, it, like it, it would take him 20 minutes to order a salad if you sat down with him for lunch. And then he eventually <laughs> like like there are people like that. And and listen, sometimes in this business, too, you 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 decide, let's do this topic instead. Of that. And, and sometimes it's the right thing. And sometimes but you have to make a decision. You have to put your your butt on the line. And I get the Sheba, the Bradford thing is really like, hey, why don't you run for mayor? And Brad's like, OK, I will. Thanks for that. I'll give you some advice during the campaign. Great. Hey, by the way, John, will you endorse anybody during the campaign? Pfft, absolutely not. I wouldn't tell you to run if I was going to do that. So it's kind of a it's a double cross. Maybe that relationship's fractured. Maybe they get over it. But but John had two people in this race Anna Bailau and Brad Bradford, and he did end up picking one over the other with like four days to go. When he kind of, okay, well, you kind of got to indicate you're going to do that prior to doing it. I think. Let me ask you this: yeah. If John Tory had uh, had endorsed her three to four weeks earlier than he did, would we have a different mayor yes, right now? I really believe that. I absolutely wow. believe that. Like I said, the I lay that sixty thousand four hundred advance votes for Chow. Bilo's campaign would just just had that failure to launch in that in that period. June fifth to thirteenth was the advance voting. And she just wasn't taking off. And then two weeks later, big time ads, Tory endorsement, Saunders is struggling, right? Doug Ford's calling Olivia Chow. And like every card is being played by that point in time, calling her an unmitigated disaster on election night. She, but Chow won nine of 25 wards in the city. That's not a strong statement on election day itself. And she's again, she gets to govern. She says she's not going to use the strong mayor powers. I wish she would because desperate. I think she's only in this because desperate times call for desperate measures. But if you want to get housing built, use the damn things. I, nobody, nobody's going to nobody's going to think less of you. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Just back from Northern Ontario and Canada Day celebrations as well. Uh, we visit with him every couple weeks here. He is the Liberal MP for Beaches East York. Three elections running and he's running also for the Ontario Liberal leadership uh, this coming fall. He is Nate Erskine Smith. It's great to have you on. I hope you had a great Canada Day weekend up north. Yeah, it was great. We did a pancake breakfast in Dryden, Ontario, and then in the afternoon, we completely switched gears, and I was welcomed to an Ingamin First Nation, and I took part in a powwow. How important is the North? I know you've spent your time up there. You were driving up there through a bad weather in uh, earlier in, well, I think our spring, but their spring starts a little bit later. So you were, uh, you're fighting the weather conditions. You had the wipers on uh, full blast, I think, a few different uh, uh, journeys. How important is the North to sort of regain for the Liberals? Like you're getting your own message out uh, in in an effort to become the Ontario Liberal leader, but I think the the Liberals also need to again every seat matters so much, and their seats certainly there for the taking in Northern Ontario. Well, it matters a lot for a couple of different reasons. One, we've got to break out of being just the GTA party if we want to be a serious party that represents every corner of this province and, and forms government again, and 
many parts of this province, especially Northern Ontario, feel un- underrepresented and feel like whether it's blue or it's red, that Queen's Park doesn't give them the time of day. And there are unique issues in Northern Ontario that we also have to make sure we deliver on, whether it's transportation, housing, not just affordability, but availability, and really the need to attract and, re- and retain people. Like I'm digging into even what Kathleen Wynne accomplished in 2014, and she took a liberal party that might be looked on the brink of of their run being over. It does happen to everybody eventually. Tim Hudak's the leader for the conservatives, but she gained some northern Ontario seats back, went across the province from 48 to 58, went minority government to majority government. So there is a there is a strong tradition of of voting liberal in northern Ontario. And as you'd know already, you've got a lot of MP colleagues that are from that area as well that have been elected through three Trudeau governments. There's no question that when we make it a priority, we see success. And there's really strong liberal support historically. I just met Bob Nault in Kenora just yesterday morning. He's supportive and, and, and will help us in rebuilding. Vivian LaPointe, a federal colleague of mine in Sudbury. Marcus Pelosi, a federal colleague of mine in Thunder Bay. They're supportive and helping. And there's really a path to rebuilding this by taking, taking these communities seriously and, and rebuilding provincially an active presence in these communities. Nate Erskine Smith, our guest on Toronto Today. I know you released a, a housing platform. You're, you're out ahead of the other candidates, certainly doing that. You did that a few weeks ago. Um, and any kind of travel across this province makes makes people realize this isn't a Toronto issue. This isn't a Toronto-Ottawa issue or even a GTHA issue. It's it's right up and down the 401 and, and all parts in between. And yeah, a little north of here um, as well. People have started to take vacation, Nate, and they've gone to upstate New York. I, I went back to where I lived in Michigan. And I, I like there's nothing that compares in terms of how rates have inflated compared to Ontario and southern Ontario specifically. It's all across Ontario. It's particularly acute, obviously, when you look at the GTA and GTHA, but it is in Sudbury, it's in North Bay, it is in St. Thomas, it's in Windsor, and all across this province, we are seeing a challenge where young people can no longer to afford, they can't afford to live in our communities, and too many people actually, not just young people, can't afford to live in our communities. It's a fairness challenge, it's a productivity challenge, and we need governments really to get back in the game of building non-market housing, especially in Northern Ontario, where Developers don't have an incentive to get there and, and build, uh, you know, and whether it's in Kenora and Sioux Lookout and Dryden and Timmins. But we also need to make sure that governments get out of the way. And this is where municipal governments have really failed. Governments need to get out of the way on restrictive zoning and, and standing in the way of development. Do you worry that there isn't that that urgency from from all three levels right now? Like you said, th- this is going to be, you know, finding three pieces of the jigsaw puzzle and making they all fit together and and consumers have to feel look people don't want to lose hundreds of thousand dollars on their own home value because they, they work hard also but i think at the same time they have to understand that allowing building and allowing um yes yeah, especially the multiplexes and the other places we're talking about that's going to create you're, you're going to be able to keep more stores more gyms more transit in your own community if people are there we need leadership at all levels, and we don't see the necessary leadership. And it's obvious because housing starts, housing completions, building infrastructure, especially housing, isn't keeping pace with population growth. And so at the municipal level, we need leadership to really embrace inclusionary zoning. As you say, gentle density everywhere, greater density near transit. Where municipalities aren't showing that leadership, the province absolutely needs to step in. 
the provincial and federal governments need to spend more on non-market affordable workforce housing in our communities. And we need to treat housing as a home first and an investment second. And the province has to show the greatest amount of leadership because this is ultimately their responsibility in, in, in getting housing built. And we've got a provincial government right now that says they're focused on getting things done, but, but the facts say otherwise. They say they want to build housing, and, and they're not building housing on the facts. Yeah, we're not getting to our targets um, at, at all. Not just not just finishes, but starts as well. Nader Smith, our guest, Beaches East York uh, MP, joining us on Toronto today. You're probably also spotting the Southern Ontario communities that are doing uh, a little bit better than others. Um, they're, and, and they can be neighbors. I know right next door to me in Whitby, they're actually building decently in Ajax, a little less so. So you're probably spotting where there's just there's just some uh, some some disparity, I'd put it that way, in certain communities. Yeah, and doing a deep dive on this, not every community is equal. And look, in Toronto, Toronto has really leaned into this and has opened up zoning rules. They've legalized multiplexes, and we see housing starts really meet their targets recently, frankly. And you see other communities, and not to entirely pick on Mississauga, but they had, what, two starts in the month of May, and their target was 1,000? It's, it's laughable. And so we really do need where we see municipalities fall behind. We, we need the province to step in and say two things. We're going to provide top-up infrastructure. We're going to provide a carrot, an incentive to municipalities to hit their targets. And two, where municipalities fail to hit their targets, the province is going to be firm and, 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 and have really firm rules that come in and, and take, take precedence over municipal nimbyism. I look at uh, at the next by-elections coming. It's hard to believe they're only 24 days away. And I know the Liberals have their candidate uh, set in Scarborough-Guildwood to replace uh, Mitzi Hunter, who ran for Toronto mayor, but also an important one in Kanata Carleton, where Marilee Fullerton held the seat for a few years. I mean, for your party and for what you're attempting to do, um, every seat ends up mattering and, and everybody you can add to the prospective team matters heading into an election in 2026. How important are these two ridings to the Liberals? They're very important, and it's very important that we have a really strong showing. We've got two great candidates. I was knocking on doors with my former federal colleague, Karen McCrimmon, in Ottawa, Canada Carlton, not so long ago, and knocking on doors. It was great. People know her, whether, you know, liberal, conservative, NDP, people know her to be a person of integrity, and, and that's the most important thing in politics. And I'm going to be out canvassing soon with our candidate, Hazel, in Scarborough Guildwood. She's got a, I don't know her as well, but she's got an incredibly strong background on the Scarborough Business Association, leading that uh, history of business and philanthropy. So I look forward to getting to know her better, but I know she's been really deeply involved in her home community in Scarborough Guildwood, and she's going to be a great representative. I know we haven't talked since Olivia Chow became mayor. What are your observations of uh, of her winning and, and your expectations for her the next three years? I think there was a bit of a statement there to say we're we're tired of unambitious, small-c conservative politics in this city, and people were looking for a more progressive option. And I think it will ultimately be, it will be a good thing if we see housing built. And I saw, you know, I, I, I want to end on sort of a positive note here and, and be less partisan, I mean, she came out of the gate talking housing in her first interviews after winning the election. And if she's committed to that as the number one priority and she sees it through, I think it's going to be a really good thing for the city.
Nate Erskine-Smith, our guest. People can go to meetnate.ca. I know people say, wow, the leadership's not until late November, but there's a pretty important deadline for you and the other candidates to sign up prior to that. Can you just let people know what it is? So September 11th is the most important deadline. Anyone who wants better in our politics, I mean, you got to participate. And there's an opportunity here to really rebuild the Liberal Party, shape the Liberal Party, shape our politics in Ontario as you want it to be shaped. And you've got to become a member to vote, register to vote in the leadership. It's as simple as that. It's free. Anyone 14 plus, any resident of Ontario can do it. But you got to do it by September 11th in order to participate. All right, Nate, thanks for the chat this morning. Also, strong parenting. You were multitasking. Um, <laughs> yeah, you hear in the background. <laughs> sugar cereals. You, do, you can get them off it very easily by about 12 or 13 by, <laughs> by, by blackmailing them. Get, get the, frost, the Frosted Flakes and the Lucky Charms. Still keep them quiet at all times. My my wife's at a conference uh, for her PhD, so it's a bit of madness right now. <laughs> I appreciate it nonetheless. Thanks so much for this. Thanks, Greg. All Thanks, right, Greg. Nader Skinsmith joining us, uh, Liberal MP for Beaches East York. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Eid was celebrated. Now we had, I'm going to call, I'm not going to use name names here, but we had a kid not play the tournament this weekend because of Eid, but I thought Eid started middle of the week. Was this a legitimate excuse that he couldn't he couldn't play Saturday was. and Sunday? Yes, here's why. It's okay, I love to know was, these I mean, things. So there are two Eids a year, and they always change in date because they go by the moon and the Islamic calendar, right? So based on the moon sighting and the moon, that's when Eid's the next day. So oftentimes people also don't even know till last minute right. uh, exactly what day Eid's, Eid is. So that, that's confusing in itself. But then if it's during the week, uh, a lot of people are working or they have school or they have exams, whatever it is, whatever happened this year at the end of June. So a lot, most people, families will get together on the weekends. So I bet you that boy or his family had a lot of family commitments this weekend to celebrate Eid. Maybe that's OK. OK. We were, you know, we're, we're still investigating. I'll uh, I'll give you the findings <laughs> <laughs> of my investigation because you and you I have a lot of Muslim kids on your soccer team. We do. Don't you? Uh, I think we have three or four. I swear, I think if I were to name the nations um, of our like, we've got probably a 15, 16 player team right now. I guess if you want to call me, I mean, they're all, I, I assume, again, I'm going to step around uh, this minefield. We're all Canadian because we're all Canadian citizens. But I would say I'm of Irish English origin. We would have somebody who's of Belgian origin. We have India covered. We have Pakistan covered. We have Iran covered. Um, wow. I'm trying to think if we have an African country covered. I think that we do. Ghana? Our coach is from... And our coach has... Uh, and the Caribbean. You must have the Caribbean. Yeah. Do oh, we have a Jamaican Ajax. or... Um, like, or a West Indian, anything like Trinidad, yeah. Atlanta, Jamaica. Yeah. It's all... It's, it's, and that's Ajax. That's Ajax is very, uh, very, Diverse. very, very multicultural. Exactly. Yes. So at one point, if you were to say to me, define white, he was probably one of three or four white kids on a team of 16 or 17. But I love that because that's what the schools are and that's yeah. what the community is. As you know, with hockey... It's not quite gotten there yet in terms of it's start. It's 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 got a it's got some movement to, to give, but it's better. It's, it's probably more. It looks more like a, a hockey team looks more like a community than it did 10, 15 years ago. But there's still some movement, I think. I think. Yeah, but if we're talking race. My daughter is the only non uh, the only girl who's not white on her team. Whereas I'll give you something fascinating since we're now talking about it. Cricket. There's a lot of there's a lot of I see a lot of people playing cricket in my community, but I don't see a lot of like, like white men or women or kids or white kids playing cricket. Yes. And I wish that we did. Me too. 
Because I don't think we know but, how but, to. But it's not. But there are a lot of people who come. There are a lot of immigrants who will come to this country. And in the, whatever country they come from, cricket is huge. Have you mm. ever played cricket before? No. And I'm not sure I know the rules. Because every time I've gone to England, there's been some massive match on. Because in England, it, it, England's team is very um, multicultural as well. But they're always playing... Obviously, the best countries are all always India and Pakistan because such a high pop. It's like basketball in the States. A high population plays it. So yeah. you end up getting great players out of that mix. I couldn't tell you where. But I remember we had Patrick Brown on from Brampton. And he said, we're going to build like a 5,000, 6,000 seat kind of cricket ground oh, so wow. we can get big matches here and people can watch. And we, we really don't have plays. that. I hmm? wonder if the mayor of Brampton has learned how to play cricket. <laughs> <laughs> I've never played it. either, and I don't really understand the rules. Yeah, uh, but I'm, I don't. I know. just remember that's how Bended like Beckham ended. Is Jonathan yeah. Reese Myers best sports movie Miller? of all time? That's what you mean, right? <laughs> best sports movie of all time. Uh, it's sure yes, next to Bull Durham and a, a couple of us. But I remember Jonathan Reese Myers started playing cricket with the dad, and I'm like, is he really interested in cricket? Or is he just trying to suck well, up a British. little bit? He's trying to ingratiate himself to the. the well, he had family. a long way to go. He, he had, had a long, a long way, way to, go. to go. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I would say that's true. All right. You're the first person out of the three of us to point this out over the weekend on, on Twitter that um, weird things started to happen. See, I didn't notice this Saturday because I'm going to be honest and you'll laugh and you'll roll your eyes and not believe me. I basically didn't check Twitter one time on Saturday. I thought July 1st, no show for a couple of days. Just got yes. through an exhausting week. I, I won't look at it. Um, but, but I love that. Nah, I, I know I got to do it more. I got to do it next week when I'm on. Uh, well, holiday. Elon Musk is going to force you to do it more often. So it seems. what did you hear? When did, did you start to hear this? Did you start? Was it a newscast? What, what happened on Saturday? No, I logged on because I'm, I am unfortunately addicted to Twitter. I logged on and that's, you know, I just want to see what's going on in the city, what everybody's doing, what everybody's saying about Canada day. And, uh, it just said your rate limit has been exceeded. And I thought, oh, what is this glitch? What's happening? But you had so just, just logged kept, on. I just logged. Well, so, I had logged on and I'd scrolled a little bit. Uh, but you know what? I think I'm, I was probably up late the night before. So maybe it starts from like midnight to midnight type of thing. Like that's when the day starts for, yeah. them for Twitter. So uh, it wouldn't let me see any more tweets. And then I, I started reading other people's tweets of the ones that I could see. And they were having the same issue. So... Twitter has made it so that you have, if you're unverified, meaning if you don't pay for your account on Twitter, which none of the three of us do. Gord, do you? Uh, no, I'm, I'm sure you'd no. be you'd be the last of the three of us to remember last year. Pay eight bucks a month. I, I quit. I, I, I you, loud, you loudly quit. You weren't. You didn't yeah. even quiet quit Twitter. You told yeah. us all about it. Yeah, it was like you're on keto. Or but how long did that last? How long, long did that last? Well, because I realized I, I I do need it for the show because Greg sends links and stuff that I need to access. Yeah. It, Sorry so. about that. That's okay. Okay. And I, I just, you know, that's what you get for being hasty. <laughs> you should think things through first. It's amazing, though, because when I was off for those three days, I last week, I'm telling you, I had a brand new life. I, I put my phone away. I didn't even look at it. Uh, I was so engaged with my family and my kids and I was baking and cooking and and without going into too much detail, my husband and I were like in a honeymoon phase. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm like, it's I, the damn phone. And I'm like, no, it's the job. It's my work. That's what keeps me so attached to my phone and to Twitter. Right. Because that's, I mean, if, if there's some, if there's breaking news, I go to Twitter. So the original number I'm looking at is I, I, I unverified accounts. You were limited to 600 posts, but I'm thinking if you just sit there and scroll, are they counting your posts on the scroll or do you have to click on a post? Cause I like, I didn't, it, can you just scroll but if you and go click on a post? 
right. you click on that post and you try to read the comments or whatnot, it your rate limit has That's been a, so that counts as one. Yes. But then you've got exactly. 599 left and that already has taken two minutes. So how many hours in the day? I don't know how you could get to 600 a day. Well, it, here's the thing. Under that I kind was, of scrutiny. I was very annoyed by it. And yes, I, I reached out to you, both of you, to say, what's <gasps> happening Because you were rate limited. <laughs> yes. And then as the day went on, I don't know what Elon's doing because I, it was amazing. He forced me to get off of Twitter and go enjoy the day. Because I just had no option. I had I had no access to Twitter anymore. So it was I, amazing. I I did this yesterday in kind of preparing for the show and checking out some stuff. I, I, there were about twenty moments, which is very concerning for me. Twenty moments where I'm like, let me just go here, I'm, and then I stopped because I'm like, it's not for the show, and I don't want to get raid limited. Because what if I get stopped? Oh, and I can't look something us. up or grab a, like if I want that unfunny Justin Trudeau clip, and it's forty million and seventeen. Way to go, guys! <laughs> then I can't find, I can't easily find that as much. Although I didn't have that problem yesterday, and I didn't see a lot of people on Twitter complaining about it yesterday. So, so is he just like playing head games no, with everybody? No, he upped it. He upped it. He but to eight hundred. Yes. But I don't think I'm going to get to 600, so I don't know that I need 800. No, you'd be surprised. That's what I thought, too. But just uh, when you're scrolling through, it's just you don't realize how many there are. So I, maybe Elon's crossed over to the to the light side, and he wants <laughs> us all to be more disciplined and get off of our, our phones and our devices because it's amazing. I love the rate limit. I well, And we, should, we need it for a Will teams. you ever play for Twitter? No. No. And if it disappeared tomorrow, I don't think all our bosses like I remember getting pushed on there in 2009 by my boss. He's like, you have to stop ignoring the four emails where I told you to get a Twitter account. I really that was like about the fourth email. And he's like, no, I'm serious. You need an account to promote the show and all that. But I think if it died today, I don't think our bosses would be like, all right, everybody on Mastodon right now. This is going to oh, be the, it's big, the opposite big next now. thing. Yeah, they don't want you on nowadays, it. Yeah, they want you to get off of Twitter. <laughs> this is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. Insulted him a little bit. I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Okay, we usually do in out around uh, seven twenty in the morning on Toronto Today. If you're new to the show or new to the uh, segment, and we ask you to pick a side on a rather relatable um, issue, and tomorrow we might do hot air balloons. We could have also done <laughs> could have also done Blue Jays red um, jerseys. Some people <sighs> hate them. I can't. You don't like them. My brain doesn't wrap around it with saying blue on a red background. Right. Yes. I can't. My brain doesn't function that you way. Don't you? Well, but red and blue, you can't combine that in uniforms. The Montreal Canadiens or the French national, like France is red, white, and blue. Yes, I know. But I mean, it doesn't say <laughs> blue right on Canada it. Canada doesn't scream blue. <laughs> I, like for the for the hockey, they often put black pants. Like somehow black became the third color in our national. Yeah. I don't get that either. Uh, what would you call it? Mosaic, yeah, for colors, for for jerseys, for sports. You I know, don't know why it's black. You know what else? To go with red and white. Mind. Everything else, um, Toronto is blue and white, except for the FC and the red and white. And then when Montreal, well, not the Raptors. Yeah, yeah, Raptors. So they're red and black. Yeah, but then Montreal football club comes to town and they're blue and white. It's that odd. Just, just blows my mind out of the water. It's very odd. <laughs> um, all right, but but we saw this today, and uh, Gordon and I have already done some advanced scouting on this issue uh, with with two men and one woman on the show. I I have a feeling where this topic may go, 
And the concept is how often you change your bed sheets, you wash your sheets. And Sheba, you found data that uh, documents, well, highly recommended from experts. This is the amount of time you should go between bed sheet changes. Yes. So this is, I mean, experts being Martha Stewart, good housekeeping, several uh North American hygiene experts that say you should change your sheets once a week. Why? Because there's stuff like dust, dust mites, pet hair. If you have a pet, which I know you do. Yeah, the cat skin, loves being on the end of the bed there. Skin flakes, uh, bodily fluids, oils, all of these things once a week. Greg, how often do you change your sheets? Well, I, I, I do think we're at a week, but I'm, I do think, but that's a Mrs. Brady influence. I don't know that I would forget, <laughs> but it's just like, there's going to be the odd. First of all, I don't okay, know how she many. she wasn't around. If she wasn't around. I'm worried that this would be a, a 16 to 20 day process. Oh God. I thank you. Yeah. And I and but now that I read this, I don't even like thinking about oils. We're not talking about essential oils like like sandalwood for a that you might go to get a therapeutic massage at a at a at a therapeutic no, massage. No, but your body place. secretes natural oils. Right, you do have natural oils in your hair and well, your skin. Just the phrase "night sweats" is something I don't even like to think about. Well, I don't know. Gordon and I aren't there yet. So. And skin flakes. Sure, you're not. And skin flakes. I don't know at what age. I'd like to see a descending graph of the time that you give up like skin flakes. No, but and that whatnot. happens all day long. Yeah. That's your skin shedding. That's, Does it? That's yeah. dry. Yeah. That's happening to you right now as we speak. Isn't that just when you get a sunburn and your skin starts to peel? No. no. Your Are skin you sure? Is always there. Yeah. yeah. I need would, do, would one of those blue uh, microbe lights document hey, the, the skin yeah. flake shedding? Take the blue shedding? microbe light. This is what you do. Take the blue microblade when you get home today and put it against the <laughs> rim like, of the water line of your bathtub, okay, where you take where a bath Where I take five baths day. a week, at yes. least. And you're going to see skin flakes on there. It's natural. We're always oh, shedding skin. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, look, I, I'm in, but just barely. I know, I know I'm incredibly thankful because I, I am not the person in the marriage that says, you know what today is? Sheet washing day. That's somebody else's. I won't call that what? a job. That's just somebody else's on it before I am. I don't consider that's that Sundays a job. in my house. That's every Sunday the linen Sundays are bed sheet linen day bed sheets and towels. Yes, that's what we do <laughs> every. I'm telling you, it's every Sunday. Even the kids know as soon as you wake up Sunday mornings, strip off your bed sheets because that's what we're doing. So I'm absolutely in on changing your bed sheets weekly. Gord, what do you say? I'm in on the principle. Because it's uh, you should do that, but I'm also. Oh, nice that you like the theory, but what about the practicality? <laughs> I of it too all? would be the if I wasn't uh, poked and prodded to to help do it, that I wouldn't do it. either. I'd have to set a reminder yeah. in my phone. No, or it's something. just I turn into an eight year old boy going shopping uh, with their mom. It's like oh, I don't want to, right? It's just because uh, it's so. Just how long a pain. would you go, Gord? It's a pain. If you didn't have to, how oh. long would you go? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it, it could go to it's like. Maybe I should change these sheets. Oh, so months. That's <laughs> oh my that. goodness. I'm worried I didn't I, I'm worried I had a futon for one year at university and didn't even have a sheet on it. I'm worried that that's true. I'm trying to think off the top of my head whether yeah, I did we'll or see, not. See that would be bad, right? Cuz the You know, I'm like, you know what I should do to go back to my parents cuz I lived in London, but they lived outside of London. It's a 50-minute drive when I really needed something as opposed to going shopping for it. And I'd be like, you know what I need to pick up at my parents? A bed sheet. Yeah. And a com and and the um what's it called? The skirt around yeah. it? Yep. 
Oh, you use a bed skirt. Oh, so you you rarely change your sheets, but you need a bed skirt for well, your bed. Do you think you have friends that are um, maybe more germ germ phobic and change it every like two days, like a hotel one? I'd love to hear from somebody that does that. That says I don't take any chances Let with those know. skin flakes and oils. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Or you've got or you've got a big time pet hair problem. You I don't have a dog, so Sheba. When I go into a house that's got a few dogs. It I it smells like dog, like it smells like dog in there. No matter how beautiful and immaculate and ready for entertaining or a visit the house is, well, people might say that about mutts. you and your your cat. Well, true, but I don't think it gives off. There's a dog has a bit of an odor. Plus, they go outside so the and the cats don't. So does the cat. Yeah, but a cat you, doesn't. You're nose blind to it. You don't. I am. I'm a very nose blind it. human being. But also, if you don't have air conditioning, I would assume that you'd have to up your bed sheet changing because you, you know, especially a week. Oh, I like never this, thought of that. You'd be really sweating. Yeah. Okay. Depending on the fans. Well, here we go. Rick in Mimico says every Sunday is bed sheet day. He's in 100. percent Rick, I'm with you. Every Sunday in our house as well. Go Four, Rick. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. The more I think about it, what I would use, and I actually think this is a smart business. Is you know how they get that guy? Uh, it's usually a guy who drives a truck around and he clangs like a bell, and he'll sharpen your yeah, <laughs> the, sharpen the knife, your knife tools. Sharpening truck. Yeah, is a night okay? So he'll yeah he'll like a like a like a trimmer or uh, not a personal groomer, but a tr- I'm not talking like no like knives, lawnmower yeah. blades, all those things. Yeah, what well, something you would uh, trim the hedges with? If you if you have a truck that rings a bell and it takes your bed sheets and brings it back like later that evening. That's a that's a big time service that people this is would the use. Laziest thing. No, but I've it ever would. Heard. Yeah, but see, wouldn't you trust somebody else with your bed dip, 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 with, with your bed sheets? You just need we advance have... notice for that scenario. No, it's but... like the knife guy. You come running down the driveway with all your knives in your hand because you you don't know the. But guy's that seems coming. inefficient. Like so, the only two noises that you have in your community are the ice cream truck, yeah. and the knife sharpening guy. Yeah. So why not have a third option, which is the bed sheet, bed skirt, um, duvet cover. You just throw all that into a basket, into their basket. They collect it at 10 in the morning, Gord, and but drop it back off at 6. I already Sex have easy that, part. Brady. That's Brady, I already have that service. You know what that's called? Kids. <laughs> My kids. I'm telling you, get your kids but to do it. But you have five beds to change. I have three. No, I don't change. I, you, I have one bed to change. Uh, and my husband and I alternate. Actually, I'll be honest, he does it lately more than I have because of this mayoral election. But that's my, <laughs> for everything that I have not been doing around the house for weeks now. But um, my kids do it themselves. They know you take it off. You put your fresh sheets on. One of them's in charge of bringing uh. it down to the laundry machine. No. Yeah, taking that's it what off you do. and putting it in the laundry is the easy part. It's the putting it back on that trips people yes. up. Oh. And folding. Folding yeah. sheets folding are so hard. Folding sheets yeah. are very... I just, yeah, once you get them out of the dryer, they need to go right on the bed. Anyway, 416-870-6400. Do <laughs> you change your sheets more than once a week? Can I get some support for the truck, though? The truck would work. If we just gave the truck a chance no. and you and you isolated your market geographically and did certain suburbs... You're going to do that in the winter? With consistent customers... You're going to put your boots on and your yes. coat and with, with your pile it's of dirty It's just as sheets. much a pain in the ass in February <laughs> as it is in, in uh, August.